welcome to the Cellador Podcast, where we hear the stories of the people, the wineries, and the wines that colour the wine world. Stories that tell where it all came from and where it's all going. I'm Tom Massey, and this is the Cellador Podcast. I recently sat down with Keturah and Kyron Halliday of the philanthropic organisation 8 by 8 to Educate, whose mission is to raise funds and bring educational opportunities to developing communities. Now, 8 by 8 to Educate was born after Keturah travelled to Tanzania and returned home with literally hundreds of new friends who she didn't want to lose touch with and she wanted to support and help. Now, since then, Keturah with the support of her superstar mother, Kyron, has devoted herself endlessly to raising awareness and funds for the communities she loves and wishes to support. Now, circumstances recently caused me to team up with the 8x8 to Educate team to promote their most recent fundraiser, which just so happens to be a wine tasting in collaboration with local artists who will be putting their art up for display and sale to raise funds for the 8x8 cause. So, I sat down with daughter and mother to discuss the incredible work of 8x8, the details of the event, and the why behind it all. I hope you enjoy the show, and a massive thanks to Keturah and Kyron for joining me. Well, it has been one of the more lovely Saturday afternoons that I remember having. We're sitting here at a cafe and we've been talking about wine. We've been talking about world travel. But this is all caused by a little bit of work I've been doing with a organisation called 8x8 to Educate. And we're going to talk about this in a lot more detail. A couple of introductions. So I'm joined by Katura and Katura's mother, Kyron Halliday, from 8x8 to Educate. Well, let's, let's get to the brass tacks in terms of what brings us here today. So it's, I mean, the world of wine is a wonderful place. It's taken me in so many different directions, talking to so many different people. Um, And honestly, when I started doing the work I was doing, I never really thought that I'd be doing an event with a, can we call it a philanthropic organisation, as wonderful as 8x8 to educate. So I'm really chuffed to be speaking with you and working on a project with you. And basically what brings us together is an event that you have planned and you're very generously involved me in, um, where it's art and wine, where the the 8x8 to educate, I'm going to get you to unpack all these things, etc. Um, but we're, we're pairing fine Australian wine with fantastic Australian artwork. Is that correct? That is totally correct. <laughs> a lot of the artwork is actually by young Australian people who've actually donated yep. to the organisations so mm-hmm. and we've got our yeah. Okay, so so let, let's let's get stuck into that because that's what brings us together. Um, but eight by eight to educate. What exactly is it? So it started. The ideas essentially for doing something philanthropic started when I was about eleven, and Mum yep. took us to Fiji for the first time, and. I got to see people around the world don't live the same as I do, they don't have the same resources I do and that started the ball rolling in my head that as a person with a certain amount of privilege I have a responsibility to do something to help. I didn't quite know what to do until I actually got to go to Mozambique when I was about 13 years old and I was working at a school for two weeks, or a bit over two weeks and I was teaching little art classes to students and I got to make friends and I came home from that trip with 2,000 new friends and I walked through my house and I went I I can't leave my experience there and just come home and do nothing 
So being 13, I had no business skills, no connections whatsoever, but I decided to reach out to a community that I had been involved in for a number of years, and that was the arts community. And I said to them, I want to do something. I want to hold an art exhibition and competition. Will you donate artworks to help me actually do that? So I said, the artwork just needs to be eight inches by eight inches. We'll exhibit them and sell them for a week with the goal of raising about $3,300. And that's enough to support the education of three amazing young girls until the end of high school. And I was so excited for it. And I remember being outside the event the very first night of the very first event in 2019 thinking, this is what that work. No one's going to come. No one's going to buy anything. It won't work. I've let down these girls. And I ended up walking out of that event two hours later, having raised over $9,400 and knowing that this was an event that people would get behind and this was an event that people would support. Because we sold every single painting on that wall and we've grown pretty much every year since uh, significantly. So it's it's something that I'm very passionate about and has just continued to be supported by the entire arts community and just the general community of the Gold Coast, which I think is really cool. That is very cool. And let's just unpack a couple of points uh, nestled in there a little bit further. So you like art? I love art. I've been an artist since I can remember. Yep. Okay. And something else I really liked hearing was you weren't sure this was going to work. And what I love is when you're motivated by a passion. So something starts out as a genuine passion project. You go, heck, it may not work. But the driver is passion. So you'd be... I'd imagine, you know, if that didn't work, you still would have sought out other ways to make this sort of dream you had a reality. But it worked. And you're still doing it. How long ago was that, did you say? So our very first event was in 2019 when the business itself and business idea started in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I get what you mean about being scared and occasionally having moments where I didn't quite know how it would work. There's been so many moments over the years where I've been fearful of how it will turn out, will it work, Um, and every single time the community's gotten behind me and every single time, even when it's difficult, even when I'm stressed because I've got so many assignments for school, I've got my job, I've got this... I always sit down and go, I have this passion and I have this job to do that I really, really care about. And at the end of the day, that's what matters most, I think, Mm -hmm. is fulfilling that passion and helping those goals. Because I'm a very big believer in the fact that if you educate a young woman, you help not only change her life, but her family's life and her community's life. So I always bring myself back to that thought at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. Now, I just want to jump onto the, the wine element of this to give, you know, the listeners might be thinking, what does this have to do with wine? So let's just answer that question because we referred to the event and it might be an appropriate opportunity to, or an appropriate moment to just touch on Bill Crane um, because I came into contact with you two lovely people through Bill Crane, who was a... Uh, a vibrant member of the Brisbane wine scene. I mean, he had connections absolutely everywhere, but I met Bill in Brisbane through a little bit of work I was doing, and Bill was helping you, I understand, piece this event together. And so Bill was sourcing, basically, as we discussed before, art and wine. So the idea was to get a bunch of people together and have these wonderful pieces of art 8x8 on display and pair that with a wine tasting from wineries all over Australia, just have a, have a great evening, support that wonderful cause. Bill tragically passed away. And so I, I guess that puts me in a very fortunate position, as sad as that is, to be able to step in and try and, I guess, provide that support that Bill was providing. But what a wonderful person Bill was. He was over the top 
enthusiastic and supportive about this project you are working on um, and just a, a great person to, to know generally. So what, what was... Yeah, your... I have to say that I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Bill reached out to Katura and I after seeing a LinkedIn post. Um, he had gone to Bond University through the generous donation of money that he had received from his uncle, yeah. who strangely was one of the people that set up the UN. Yeah, wow. and had worked extensively in Africa and he reached out to us and said I would like to help you raise some money these are my skills let's get together and we met at Bond and we had a discussion about how that would work and we decided to link it in with an exhibition in the gallery at Rabina and he could not have been more supportive yeah. and sadly when we found out of his passing we were exceptionally grateful to have you step in because neither Couture or I have experience or, or connections <laughs> with him the wine industry yeah. so we were sort of left going uh-oh <laughs> and and to be able to connect with people within the wine industry who were who were willing to support the vision of bills yeah. was a testament not only to his generosity but the industry overall yeah and, and I think that's so true because I think we were talking before about imposter syndrome and you may have felt a little bit of that in the, the world that you work in and I've definitely felt a ton of that in terms of I'm I, I'm a wine storyteller and you know I'm not a winemaker I'm not a retail giant or anything I just love sharing stories but Bill you know he had a he had the WSET diploma which in the wine world is one of the most the, the highest qualifications you could get the guy was over the moon enthusiastic about wine. He had this energy that when you sat down, I remember, and, and a very infectious laugh. Oh, um, it was hearty, full of energy. And I remember the first time I met him, because he, he reached out to me, and he was so supportive with ideas about the, the, the podcasting work I was doing. And we met up over, over a period of time so frequently, just to, it started as a meet and greet. And then I thoroughly enjoyed his time fingers crossed he half enjoyed mine and that just turned into coffee after coffee talk saw each other at a few different events just unbelievable but his loss absolute tragedy but that part of the wine industry where everybody I think including we'll, we'll talk about the people at Unovino as well everybody's come no this event is going ahead because that's exactly what Bill would have wanted and it's such a wonderful thing that you're doing that you know we're, we're going to do what it takes to uh to see it through so the actual event we've got four wineries from all over australia so we've got rutha glen we've got the hunter valley we've got mclaren vale and we've even got some contributions from south burnett queensland gotta love queensland wine and pairing that with the artwork so how, how does what does the event look like so the event's essentially going to be, you know, champagne on arrival, do a bit of mingling, and then we're going to have a bit of education about the actual wine, and about the artist, and then you actually get to taste the wine, and then, you know, meet another art, the artist again. They'll talk a bit more about their artwork, and how did it come to be, yeah. what's their experience, a little bit about their life as well, if they're comfortable with that, and then obviously tasting some wine again, and kind of repeating that process for the night, and... Really, it's just an opportunity to enjoy some really lovely wine, get to meet some new people, and experience some really awesome wine as well. Mm -hmm. And the proceeds of the artwork 
All of the proceeds from the artwork will go directly towards our scholarship fund, which yeah. is helping put 15 amazing young women uh, across Tanzania and Mozambique yeah. uh, through not only high school, but also through university. One thing we're really passionate about at 8x8 is not just giving these girls a high school education, um, but also giving them the opportunity to specialise and have the skills and careers, milestones essentially, so that they can become leaders in their communities, yeah. so that they can start instigating change and so we can actually start seeing those girls impacting not just again their families, but also other girls in the area and hopefully starting to teach their community that women have more value than just their uterus. Women have a value for their intelligence, for their contributions to society and who they can become, not just how many babies can they have. So mm -hmm. that's one of our goals and we're really passionate about giving those girls those skills because we don't want to be the people that come in and fix the problem. We want to come in and give the girls the education and the resources necessary so they can look at their community with a critical eye yeah. and determine how can they solve it. How can they be sustainable and how they solve it. Yeah. And how can they build a world where they are better heard and better involved. Yeah. What, what I have found so fascinating about the, the two of you, the relatively short time that I've had to get to know you, I don't think there's much we haven't discussed um, in, in a short period of time, but there's, you know, there's this big picture goal of being a part of that sort of change. But then you're also just two fantastic down-to-earth people. You seem to have a you know, wonderful family. You, I think, Kyron, you were saying you're one and the same person. So when I'm writing to Couture, I'm getting a response from Kyron. When I write to Kyron, I get a response from Couture. So I'm going, who's going to respond to me today? And you have done a remarkable job bringing up a wonderful girl like Couture. Um, she doesn't clean her room, though. She doesn't clean her bloody room. I'm busy. I've got four jobs. Yeah. In terms of, you know, your perspective on the work, this uh, incredible young lady's undertaking and... Oh, look, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to what the youth of today are capable of if given the opportunities. Yeah. And I think that we often look at the youth and treat them in a way that isn't necessarily deserved across the board. I think there are amazing young men and women doing amazing things. Yeah. But her drive and her passion has been her life. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about the fact that we're interchangeable and one of the reasons we're interchangeable was people used to call her at school and her phone would go off and she'd get a detention so we had to divert <laughs> her phone to mum. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We, we quickly became an interchangeable entity yeah. Um, especially when dealing with with calls and yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I guess that also reflects you've got these incredible family values because, I mean, there's an old saying, behind every great man is a great woman. And let's, <laughs> you know, we could unpack that. But behind every great child is an incredible family and particularly an incredible mother. So the work that you've done... You keep 8x8 going, you support Katrina and everything she does. Talk about unsung heroes. Um, I've been working with you the whole time to, more or less the whole time, to make this event proceed. That is incredible. Yeah, I think um, I'm a big believer in don't give your children things, give them experiences. Yeah. But one of the other things that I think is important when you're raising kids is that you follow through. If they have a dream and a passion, make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, give them the, the tools that they need and the resources. I mean, so we've 
together sat there and scrolled through grants and things like that so we could set up websites and it's been a, a huge learning curve for a 13 year old when, when she started but she's got a lot of life skills now that are attributed to her passion yeah but also to her desire to keep going even when the world was falling apart and there have been times in this journey that the world was falling apart you yeah. know one we there was a cyclone that went through Mozambique and we lost contact with all the girls and one of them was found after seven days up a tree wow couldn't couldn't come down because she couldn't swim and yep. she was surrounded by water mm -hmm. you know nearly dead and things like that that have happened along the way are what has shaped her to be the person she is today and has helped to cement her drive to make real change worldwide. Yeah, and in, in true hero fashion, you're always deflecting, which is awesome. <laughs> I mean, Couture is wonderful. I, I guess the reason why I'm just focusing on you for a moment is because I've got a superstar mum. And talk about unsung heroes, you know, she was a A-plus athlete who decided to give up her career at the pinnacle of sport to devote her life to her family and seven kids later. And it's just, I don't think that's valued enough. Yeah, um, and it's kind of a little selfish too because it's the best job in the world. Yeah. And if um, if everyone took a few years to do it, it would be lovely to see. Yeah. yeah and I, I, can see, I, I can see Katura reaching for the microphone. <laughs> She's an awesome mother and she does so much to help beat both myself yeah. and my sister actually yeah. achieve our goals. So she, does, she doesn't give herself enough credit. She's amazing. Yeah. No, amen to that. Amen to that. So... What I think would be very cool to do now is talk about some intricacies in terms of how this event came together because I'm going to be a little bit selfish here, so I love wine. And we've been able to work with some different people to, fingers crossed, put this event together and see it through to the end of what is going to be a phenomenally fun and worthwhile evening. So the good, the good people at Vino. So their involvement. So we got we got Mick, Mick and Mike, Mick and Mike. So I've, I've spoken to both Mick, Mick and Mike. So you got Mike Whitehouse and Nick Clark, and they're they're two fascinating people doing incredible work in what is a very volatile and always evolving scene in terms of supporting wineries sell their wines to consumers. That's a very hard thing in a very busy, crazy market. And I think that'd be really fun to devote like, I don't know, two minutes to discussing the work they do. But they've spoken to you, I believe, Kyron, and they're supporting the event. Yes, that is correct. They have been yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, not coming from a background in wine, I had absolutely no idea how to pick up from, from Bill's loss. And they reached out without me even contacting them. So I cannot praise their organisation yeah. enough. They're a fairly new organisation. Yeah. And their website is fabulous. Uh, you can get such a, an amazing selection of wine yeah. from, their, from their website. And the support they've received from some of their suppliers to help us out with the yeah. donations of the wine has been heartwarming and, yeah. and humbling in yeah. some aspects. Yeah, Yeah. No, that, that's very beautiful. And I'm, I'm going to run with a thought I've had here. And I'm going to say I don't believe that's entirely accidental because something I believe in is 
this is going to be a general statement. We can fix it up later. But I'm going to say like small family, and to me that equals values. So the bigger something gets, the more corporate and money-driven something gets. You know, it's inevitable and it's important, and money makes the world go round, etc. And that is necessary. Um, but if you find something that is small, family-orientated, you know what you're going to get, and there's a degree of trust there. And so I think in the work that Mick and Mike, <laughs> like Bill and Ben, <laughs> Mick and Mike are doing. Their focus is on small, a lot of the time family-owned wineries all across all across Australia. And if you look at the portfolio they manage at Unovino, that's exactly what they've got. You know, it's constantly growing, and they're constantly on the lookout for ways to grow that. But for the the wines that we've got for the event, I think we mentioned this before. We've got uh, we've got Rutherglen, we've got Hunter Valley. Uh, we've also got McLaren Vale, and we can go into that in a little bit more detail. But the wineries that I guess we're lucky enough to be working with on the night are small, enormous history, but they've maintained that small family structure, and that seems to be the gimmick, if, if there is a gimmick, that Mick and Mike have sort of latched onto in terms of the work they're doing at Unovino. It's, it's supporting the small battlers, the family-owned wineries, the wine where the, there is that integrity. And that's a theme that I think, I don't think it's accidental that they happen to then be working with you because they're your values, you know, small family, substance, genuine support. Yeah, I think, I think the key word in all of that is integrity. Yeah. And, and not knowing a huge amount about the wine industry, I still think that when you have decisions that are being made about the direction of a winery or who to support even with your, with your limited philanthropic dollars, it comes down to a family discussion. Yeah. And, and That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> everybody's valued. You know, everybody's opinion is valued. It might be the little five-year-old who, who comes up with some amazing thought yeah. that changes the direction or maybe look at the guy who started that fiver for a farmer he, he was a child who just had a vision and then family supported him and made it happen yeah so i think i think those decisions that are made around the dining room table are very impactful yeah huge Okay, let's take a moment and touch on the actual wineries yes. that we are going to be working with. And this is kind of funny, I'm running through my notes here, because we've got, we've got, let's start with Cofield, Rutherglen, which is a really cool little industry. So Keturah, this is your event, so I want to ask you to start with. Tell, tell me about Cofield Wines, who have uh, agreed to support your wonderful event. So I've done my homework. You've done your homework? What can you tell me? As a person who absolutely <laughs> adores history, yeah. I really love the fact that... You notice that, how she didn't say wine, she said history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the wine <laughs> history of the Cofield Winery yeah. actually goes back 100 years. Yeah. So it may not have been a winery for 100 years, but the family has been involved yeah. in the industry for quite some time. Yeah. It started, I believe, with, uh, I think it was Frank Cofield, and his grandson worked with him on the holidays. And yeah. Max, his grandson, developed this passion in this desire to actually have his own yeah. winery yeah. and so he started it and in 2000 I think it was in 1990 and in 2007 his son Damien took over and he's running it yeah. so it's a it's a family-run business from the beginning to where it is now and I think having that as mum said integrity yeah 
and that passion and that history is really, really important because you know they can. You know that they're going to do everything in their power to be yep. a part of the community and to help. And I think you mentioned before that Ruthiglen was one of the oldest wine regions. It's, it's a very cool wine region and this is what makes me so excited. Um, one of the many things that makes me so excited about the event is just the, the representations and really key, awesome Australian wine areas have um, and Ruffer rough Lane steeped in history so more more or less you know snapshot so that the history of the Ruffer Glen wine industry uh, Victorian gold rush so vineyards planted there and it, we were talking before I was telling you about phylloxera uh, and so they think ooh, horrible on my dates so I want to say the late 1800s early 1900s took some steps to get the, basically save the Rutha Glen wine industry by grafting onto phylloxera resistant rootstock and that saw the continuation of an incredible wine industry but you've got, so, so Rutha Glen particularly well known for fortified wines but also Durips, Shiraz, big, bold Bold, I can, I don't want to throw that term around loosely. Higher alcohol, warm, lots of sunshine, so you're going to get some very powerful, exciting wines from an area with enormous history, very cool, very exciting. So that's the, the, the wine touch on what we're potentially going to be getting. But are, are we getting some sparkling? Yes, from them so they as well? actually specialize in sparkling. We, okay. That is very exciting. And I was going through um, the Univino website yep. last night and I yep. was looking at it and they were mentioning the actual process that they use to make the sparkling and I had to go do all this research because I didn't Method understand. Method traditional, really I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what was, what was funny is we were talking about champagne. Mm. Um, and that is basically it's that is the method used to make to make champagne. So very cool, historic, put simply process which results in fantastic wine, fantastic sparkling. So very exciting. I'm very excited. Yeah. I know that. As am I. Okay, so let's go from so we're going Rutherland and then we go up to the Hunter. And I believe we've got Elborn wine. So, what can you tell me about Elborn wines, Katura? So, again, that one's a very family-focused yep. uh, winery. I was really interested by the fact that even like it's a whole family that is involved in this process. Even the young kids in the family have yeah. some sort of involvement. They family, family, sell their family. eggs, yeah. they sell their veggies, and I think that's really good to involve people from a very early age yeah. uh, in the skills and entrepreneurship and getting them just. Appreciation. And appreciation, yep. exactly. I was also really interested in how they're using sustainable processes and they're trying to incorporate those into their winery. They did mention the regenerative farming, which I think is very, very interesting because that's all about restoring the ecosystems and functions on farms. So I think it's important that in this modern day, as we slowly start to understand more about sustainability and how to optimize land to make it healthy, but also have a proper yield, it's important to start incorporating those sustainable processes. So I'm really excited to see how they're really embracing that. Yeah. Uh, I was also really excited when I saw the Halliday five-star rating. <laughs> Not me, Halliday, unfortunately. It was pretty funny. Let's just touch on that. Uh, last name, a little bit of pedigree there. Spelt with an E, not an I. Uh, but still, that's 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 pretty neat. When I saw your last name and I thought, and you're wanting to do a wine event, I thought, this is a fate complete. It's going to win. Yeah, so. make it till we make it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't, po don't point the E out. Don't point the E out, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, I was so excited. And they've held that title for over 10 years. So clearly they've got some fantastic wines available there. Yeah, no, they've got a, they've got a great winemaker, uh, Nick Peterson. So I think he's, he's got 20 odd plus years experience down in the Hunter, which is a very cool region. So that is basically the spiritual home of wine in Australia. So James Busby brought the first vines out to Australia from, I think, if my memory serves me correctly, it was Spain and France and set up in the Hunter. And it's a, it's a, it's a very cool industry. There's a lot of new things going on there. And what I find very cool about it is, albeit being the spiritual home, I think the popularity and reputation of the Hunter has possibly suffered over time with the emergence of places like Barossa and McLaren Vale, which we'll touch on in a moment. But there's a massive resurgence of life in, in the Hunter, and you've got incredible people, you know, Tyrrells, Thomas Wines, Broken Wood. I get excited when I hear these names. I, I'm, I one day want to have it so that you're getting the same excitement and joy on your face when you when you hear these names. Basically, it's such an exciting world of wine. It's so a little, little bit of a crash course, relatively warm maritime climate that will give you slightly different expressions. So what's going to be very cool is you can have. I'm not 100 percent sure of the wines we're going to be tasting from there unless you can enlighten me on that but if you take like we're, we're going we're going from the hunter to the mclaren vale and talk about two completely different expressions of wine from the same country I had the benefit last week or the week before last of talking to andrew thomas who's uh, you know he's, a, he's an absolute legend of the hunter valley loves it and he really like he, he takes so much pride in the work he does there and describes Hunter wines as wines with class, elegance and finesse and that is so very very cool if you compare that to wines of South Australia that's not to take any of those things away from South Australia um, but wines in South Australia given what they're working with there it can they can tend to be a lot bolder fruit driven wines from Hunter class elegance and finesse I love those two words so I think we're very lucky to be tasting some wines from there. Very exciting. From McLaren. Uh, this is Hunter. This but we'll go to the McLaren Vale because last but not least, I think the last stop is Showblock Wines from the McLaren Vale. Yes. So what can you tell me about Showblock? So Showblock's newer. It started yep. in 2008 and it was started by Sarah, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and John, who work together. They may be a new winery, but it does incorporate a lot of Greek heritage, and it's essentially built on this idea of, it was built on the idea during the global financial crisis that yeah. people are stressed, people aren't having the greatest time at the moment, yeah. and they wanted to provide an opportunity for people to not only enjoy a good meal, but also have some really good wine and kind of just... Yeah have a bit of a relax and yeah. feel better. It's all about bringing joy back to people. And I yeah. think that's a very good core concept for a business. Yeah. Um, and having that, your entire model around bringing joy and happiness that, to people. That, that is very, lo love to say that. And what's so interesting about this particular story for Showblock Wines is I think John, you may have read in doing your homework, he was an engineer. Mm. And he left the life of engineering to pursue a, basically a profession it is a profession of bringing happiness and joy to people, if through wine. And so many people 
so many different wineries have a similar story. Like it, um, Penfolds, etc. Lots of big wineries there. Ex-medical professionals. Lots of lawyers leave law to start wineries and start getting involved in that sort of industry. And so many people had previous lives and then they draw a line in the sand for one reason or another and they go, I want to do something as completely different, which more or less why do they do that? I, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but it's it's such a all-encompassing outdoors hard work way of life. But at the end of the day, you're bringing joy to people through something. And I think that is one part of the, the wine industry that is sort of all-encompassing everybody's ultimate objective whether or not they're they're selling it directly to consumers or they're part of the winemaking process etc they, they want to make great wine to give people a to bring happiness i think you could do that um, yeah and mclaren vale fantastic um very very old region 180 200 years of history there a um, little bit of a crash course some of the oldest finds in Australia, um, or South Australia, really, really strict biosecurity law. So you are going to get some of the oldest finds in the world now from the Clarendon Vale, from Barossa. Um, the the areas encompassing that tremendous, rich, but also elegant wines, Grenache, Shiraz. So I am so excited to see what we're going to be able to sample and enjoy from that area so how good is this it is as a person who i've only just recently turned 18 and i don't know that much about alcohol at all so it's a learning curve for me but i found it quite interesting to learn about as i said before the history of it really is enjoyable for me but also just how does it work as a whole i like to learn about the processes where it comes from how it's made and how they're using it to bring joy, as you said. Because mm. there's a hundred million different ways to do it. I, yeah. When I started 8x8, I thought we would sell art and that would be all we did. And then we met the late Bill Crane and he opened my eyes and showed me that there's a, so many different ways that you can solve different problems. And I'm looking forward to understanding more about how wine is actually produced and the structure of the entire organisation mm. and industry because yeah. it's just something new to learn about. And that is important, but I would say also don't sway too far from the path that you're on currently because what I what I think like what the the enjoyment that I've gotten out of wine I'm sure there's the technical element but I think the most enjoyment you derive from wine is the journey everywhere it takes you on so it teaches you about history it teaches you about people it teaches you about culture like you look at the global wine you've got the history as you know we've touched on Rutherglen Hunter let's jump over to Burgundy Let's go to Mendoza in Argentina. Let's go to Piedmont in Italy. Uh, let's go to Alsace, French border. Let's go to Oregon in America. And all these, these places with very unique histories that at the end of the day, um, somebody recently said, they're all doing the same thing. Plus or minus some different variables and you know the, the wine in each place is unique to that region etc but what distinguishes all those people and places from each other is the stories of what goes into the places the people because at the end of the day you know one two three we're, we're sitting here we're three people different names different stories different life experiences and that's that's what makes us all different unique and interesting 
in my opinion. Kyron? Yeah, I think storytelling, and that is very much part of the 8x8 journey, storytelling is the thing that makes the world go round. Without the story behind the product, you just have a thing. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things, just tying into that theme of joy and storytelling, one of the things I am proudest about 8x8 is obviously the girls and the impact we're having overseas, but also the impact we're having locally. At our very first art exhibition, one of the winners of the overall art award, she actually, I didn't talk to her, but she did come up to mum at the end of the event and she said, I came in here five minutes past the opening thinking I would buy my artworks off the wall so that they weren't the only works that didn't sell because I've never exhibited, I've been an artist for over, I think it was 20 years, never exhibited, been too terrified, never thought I would do anything and I'm walking out of here tonight and my artworks were sold when I walked in five minutes after opening and I've walked away with the first prize with entries that were over, I think, 240. So she came up to us and she was in tears. Yeah, wow. And I think that was a good story for me because I got to see how... We are helping people, even on a local level. And we see that as well with kids. We always have uh, a lot of young people that enter the art exhibition, and we have people from elderly homes that all get together and create different pieces of artwork artwork and enter them. And it's always really lovely to see that community aspect. So the the project does have a really community feel. Yeah, and that's why I think we'll fit so well with the wine shop, because it is family, it is community, it is integrity. So I'm very excited for that. It's all about sharing our stories and getting to know each other just like we've gotten to know you today mm-hmm. yep amen okay um so let's 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 focus on 8 by 8 a little bit more so your what 2018 you kicked off where are we 2023 how good's my maths that's five years plus or minus how is it progressing how's it going in terms of your vision for where you what do you what you want to do with it goals you want to achieve let's say Budget's not an issue. Where do you want this to take you? If money wasn't an issue, yeah. I would make sure every girl around the world had access to education because there is so many studies and there is so much evidence that shows how women who are educated and who have opportunities to earn income because they are educated will spend that money in their local area. I just spent like almost three months at uni in one of my subjects investigating the importance of female education and the uh-huh. impacts of female entrepreneurship. And the impact is endless. Yeah. We can see so many different issues being addressed or solved uh, in a way that not only addresses one section of society but addresses all sections of society if we start involving women in the conversation. The United Nations even has started talking about how crucial it is to involve women in conversations and give them opportunities and seats at the table to make decisions. Hmm. So. I'm really proud of what we do at 8x8 and I think if I was given an opportunity to do anything, it would be making sure every single girl has access to a high school and university education um, so that she can have the opportunities to become a leader in her community and maybe she won't need a university level education because she'll go and do something else. But giving them the opportunity and giving them the choice I think is incredibly important. if we're talking more feasibly, one thing that I would like to see happen in the dream, next couple of a, years. Pardon? I said you got a dream. Got a dream. Got yeah. a dream, of course, but yeah. you've got a dream realistically. So my goals for the next couple of years are obviously finish uni, get yeah. my qualifications and get more uh, connections in various different networks yeah. around the world, but also get some experience in the actual education industry and hopefully 
get into some sort of position where I can have impact over policy. Because I think if we're going to have widespread change for female education, it's going to come from a policy perspective, essentially. Because as much as I believe in the value and the impact that we are making, I can reach many, many more girls if I come at it from a policy perspective. So that's mm -hmm. probably where I see myself in the next couple of years. Okay. Of course, I understand that I'm of a generation where I will have six or seven different careers throughout my lifetime, <laughs> but I would like to have sure. education still be a crucial part of whatever yeah. career I get into. Yeah. Okay. Very exciting. Karen, what are your, what are, what are your thoughts on all of the above? Uh, all yeah. of the above? Yeah. Where do I see 8x8 going? Yeah. I see 8x8 to continue to grow. I'm going to yeah. say we started impacting with just one girl, Celia, and if you look at it from a, a lineal perspective, we've increased one a year. Uh, um, sorry, three a year over the last five years. Um, the growth will probably not continue in that trajectory just because we've sort of reached the pinnacle of what we can do but we're looking at expanding eight by eight we're looking at getting into schools so that they can run their own little exhibitions yep. and we're looking at at sharing the vision with other youth so i would like to see other youth have the faith in themselves that Katura had in herself when she started 8x8. She saw a problem and she went to solve that problem and that's one of the things that I think will be important about 8x8's continued growth. I can see it having more of an impact in the education sector and igniting the passions in other children that will go on to solve their own issues in the world. Mm. That's huge. That is no very exciting. I am very appreciative of the uh, the opportunity to work with both of you on this. And so maybe some closing discussion. How can people support the work you're doing? So one of the biggest ways you can support us is go to the website, start yep. having a look at what we've achieved so far and what our main ethos is. And please, please, please come to our event. Yep. Uh, we There's four nights where the event is running and we'd love to see you come. Yep. Uh, tickets are $70. We'll be releasing more information about those soon. But that would probably be the best way you can help us currently is attend our events, follow us on social media, help us spread the message about 8x8 so more people can understand what it is we do and how we're helping these girls and the local community. Um, our website is 8x8toeducate.com, so just Google that and you can find it quite easily. There's a lot of pictures of me on there. Yep. Um, you will notice that the clothes are a bit ragged. It was actually, <laughs> a lot of the photos are from when we went to Mozambique and our luggage actually got lost. So mum and I were walking around for the first, first five days in our pajamas. <laughs> so That's a couple awesome. of the photos Authentic. look a bit weird. That's really Authentic, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But go to the website, check us out. We do also have a couple of other programs that we're running. We've got a literacy program, which we've just recently started working on. So if you want to investigate that a bit, we've got opportunities there for you to learn a bit more yeah. about what we're doing and how we're helping the girls. There's 30 girls in that program who mm -hmm. are learning English, maths, and uh, a little bit about their human rights. And then we also have our period poverty scheme, which is run by Celia, who was the very first girl who we took into the scholarship program. Right. She actually just has distributed in the past four or five years over 72, or not 72,000 
health. So she's distributed reusable pads in her community and those have been used to help girls with over 72,000 periods. So she's wow. provided the solution to that, which yep. enables girls to go to school. It enables them freedom to move around and to live their lives and not essentially be trapped at home for a week a month. Mm -hmm. So if you want to support us, if you want to help us out, please uh, go and have a look at our website. The period poverty screen... Uh, scheme is actually a micro business which is run by Celia so she's also learned how to sew and now she's teaching other girls in her community how to sew so they can have an opportunity to develop their own micro businesses yeah. so we're starting to see how what we've been doing for the past few years is actually eventuating in girls being entrepreneurs and solving problems in their community so go and catch up on what we've been doing it's it's pretty awesome i'm really proud of it <laughs> that's awesome you you are beaming with enthusiasm so as you're, i love it so much as you're, you're sharing this with me so i no, thoroughly appreciate it and uh, and also for the people that are listening we've talked about family places with integrity um organizations with values on a wine front support the wineries that have supported oh. us go to uh, check out Unovino because they've been fantastic and in terms of the work they're doing trying to link small family-owned wine operations direct to consumer and maximise the benefit in that for the, the, the businesses, go support them or also go to the winery directly and uh, support the work they're doing uh, because that's what makes the world go round, supporting the people that deserve it and need it most. So. That is just fantastic. It has been so good sitting here and talking with you. Any closing comments? Well, of course, I want to say thank you to you for giving us this opportunity to talk about it and to learn a bit more about wine. But I do also want to say thank you to a couple of the other people who've yep. been involved. Obviously, to the late Bill Crane, he was instrumental in getting this started. And I hope that the event will live up to his legacy and that he will be proud of what we've come up with over the past few years. I also want to say thank you to Gold Coast Libraries, who's going to be hosting the event. And I want to say thank you to Mike Whitehouse for all the support he's been giving us as well yep. in helping us actually figure out where the wine's coming from, how we're we organising that, um, as well as the, probably the final person or group I'd have to thank is the Gold Coast community. As I said earlier, I went into that first event thinking it would be an utter failure. And ever since that... 5.30 mark on that afternoon, the Gold Coast community has rallied together to support 8x8 in every single way and every single opportunity they can. Yeah. How many so, events have you held? So we've held four events. Four events? Uh, well, four 8x8 events. Yep. We've also held another additional just short exhibition at the Gold Coast uh, Rabina Library yep. uh, last year, which was amazing. Um, and the bookings will be open actually soon for the wine Huge. event. They'll be at the, the Gold Coast Rubina Library Okay, well. how exciting. You heard it, people. We'll definitely communicate the uh, bookings when they are made live. Go buy tickets, support 8x8, support the wineries that are supporting 8x8. Go attend the event, see the wonderful artwork, drink the wonderful wine. Meet Kyron and Katura, the two wonderful people who are behind uh, the work at 8x8. And if you can do all of those things, I'm sure you are all doing pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well. So, massive thank you to, to both of you for taking the time to sit down and have a chat with me. And all the success now, leading into the future, it's great from my perspective. I, I, I love seeing families work together. I love seeing people with family values trying to work to make the world a, a better place. So, don't stop. Awesome work. Thanks thank again. You. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Hi, all. 
Just a quick message from me before you continue listening to your favourite wine podcast. But in all seriousness, I would like to invite you to share and review the Cellador podcast. I also value feedback and interaction immensely. So whether it's you reaching out with some ideas or with some suggestions of people who you think would make a good guest, or even if it's just to tell me that you enjoy the chats, please reach out. It's one of the things that make doing the show so much fun and worth it. Further, please share and review the show. It's one of the best ways to help it grow. Whatever you can do on this front, it is greatly appreciated. Here's to you guys. Have a great day.